that right now in the world in which we live, faithfulness to Jesus is hard to find at street level. Like us truly being loyal to our Savior. And to me, this idea is bursting out of the pages of the book of Revelation for us. It's been said that the Christian walk is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a grinded out every day, no matter what kind of existence. Unfortunately, some people fall by the wayside. But in his teaching today, Pastor Daniel is going to be talking about some brothers and sisters who come through the toughest time of testing in history. You'll hear about their stamina as well as their willingness to die for their faith because they know their faith's worth dying for. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, with part one of his message called, The Woman Riding the Beast. Life is a journey, isn't it? And at each step of the journey, there are lessons for us. There are things for us to learn At the beginning of the year, we started studying the book of Revelation. I always love when we start something. We called it a year of Revelation. And you don't really know what God's going to be doing. You kind of have an idea. But when you're walking with Jesus, you realize you take what you think is going to happen. And you put that in the, well, we'll see what God's up to category. And as you follow the Lord, then he starts to reveal things to you. And one of the things that's been so beautiful for me as we've been doing this series through the book of Revelation is in the beginning of the book, one of the big emphases that God was really pressing on my heart was the need to be humble. The fact that in the light of who God is, what he has done, the only proper human response to be truly human is to be humble before the Lord, realizing that he's God and we're not. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're just trying to figure this thing out. But as we've moved farther in the book, one of the things that God's been really pressing on my heart is the need for faithfulness. As we've been looking at all these things that are happening, what you find is that God is unchanging. And because God is unchanging, God is really faithful. He's loyal to fulfill the purposes that he has. And I was really starting to think about this. I'm aware that one of the fruit of the spirit is faithfulness. And what I'm aware of in the day and age in which we live right now, faithfulness is hard to come by, isn't it? We have a tendency to be faithful in things that really don't matter that much. And we kind of struggle to be faithful in the things that really do matter. I've always loved sports, and so I've been a full-on New York Giants football fan. (laughs) And there's been so many... I mean, in my lifetime, I've seen four Super Bowls. I know all you Hawks hands are wishing. (laughs) But I've also seen over the last number of years, they've been pretty horrible. And this year, they're like the most horrible winning team in the NFL right now. And it's like, 
But the thing is, is in some ways, it's easy to be a faithful football team fan. But when you look at where faithfulness is needed, what you find is from the beginning to the end of your Bible, what God is interested in is us being faithful to him because he's faithful to us. I realized that on the day that I made a covenant with my bride, Lynn, before Jesus and our family, that I was making a commitment to be faithful to her. And then we started having babies who aren't so babyish anymore. They're like peoples, like they're my persons, you know? And it's like when we had kids, it's like I'm going to be faithful to be their dad. I remember 10 years ago when I got invited to come here to Crossroads, our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie, said to me, because before I came to Crossroads, I'd been moving around about every three and a half years. I'd go into a community and be involved in seeing a church start, and I'd raise up leaders, and then I would turn it over and move. He said, Daniel, before we agree for you to come here, I need you to commit that you're supposed to put roots down here, because I don't want an interim pastor for Crossroads. I want a pastor. And I had to seek the Lord because our track record, Lynn and I, was going into a community, being there for a short amount of time, God moving, and then we moved on. We had to seek the Lord, and I felt like the Lord was like, Daniel, I want you to put down roots, and I want you to pastor in this community, not just for a minute, but high up and low down. And I realized that as I'm on this journey as a child of God and as a husband and as a father and as a pastor, what I realized is it takes effort and intentionality and energy to be faithful. And I realize that right now in the world in which we live, faithfulness to Jesus is hard to find at street level. Like us truly being loyal to our Savior. And to me, this idea is bursting out of the pages of the book of Revelation for us. Because remember, we saw the 144,000 who were praising God for his faithfulness, and it says that they were faithful to God as they walked through these horrible situations. And I'm aware that what the enemy of all of our souls wants is wants us to start cutting corners in our walk with Jesus as life gets hard. We have all these reasons why. We're like, oh, the economy's bad, so I'm going to cut some corners. Oh, I'm stressed. I'm going to cut some corners. Oh, there's uncertainty. I'm going to cut some corners. I was just talking to someone recently, and they were talking about how the election that just went on, it's so bad. I'm like, listen, God isn't hoping in an election. He's hoping in the elect, the people of God. Like, we have this tendency to want to find, this is the things that make me get loosey-goosey. Let me be a little bit slippery. And what I realized as we studied the book of Revelation is that God wants us to be faithful people because Jesus is the ultimate of faithfulness. I mean, just think about how many dumb things you've done in your lifetime. (laughs) And I say you as like the collective you, like I'm in that you. And God has been so faithful, hasn't he? Think about how many seasons we've struggled. Our faith has waned. So many things have gone on, and yet the Lord is so steady, so faithful. And part of what God is doing, I think, in all of us in this season is he's saying, 
I want to make you the kind of people who aren't surprised that you're faithful. But I want you to be the kind of people who you know that you're faithful because you serve a God who is faithful. And where we are and where we're going to be in the book of Revelation reminds us of God's faithfulness in a powerful way. So I want you to open up your Bibles to Revelation 17. I've eloquently entitled this message, The Woman Riding the Beast, because when I read it to you, it's the story of a woman riding a beast. That's just what it is. It's so simple. So open your Bibles, Revelation 17. If you brought your Bible with you, I'm so proud. I want you to bring your Bible to church. Why? Because it's the word of God. It's like back in the day, back before we lived in like our our comfortable culture, you wouldn't leave the house without your weapon. The sword of the spirits, the word of God. So bring that sword with you wherever you go. It says this, Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. It says, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on uh, many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of the names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. So now you know why I call this what? This is the woman riding the beast. It's a profound picture that gets explained for us. Now, you have to remember, this begins with one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls. They came and talked with John. And he says to him, I'm going to show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now, if you remember, as we saw the bowl judgments in chapter 16, the last chapter, the seventh bowl judgment is the judgment. There's this great cataclysmic happening, but it does say in there, now Babylon the great is going to fall. It was remembered before God. It's going to be judged. And really, Revelation 17 and 18 tells the judgment and the destruction of Babylon the great. And really... We see that in 17 and 18, and then Jesus comes back in chapter 19, and then we see what life is going to look like after the return of Jesus. So it's kind of the final step in God's taking everything that's wrong with the world and making it right again. The final step before the return of Jesus is the destruction of Babylon. Now, it's been commonly said that the Bible is a tale of two cities, because All the way from Genesis to Revelation, you run into the story of Jerusalem, the city of peace, and the story of Babylon, right? Which is the opposite of the city of peace. What's interesting is the book of Revelation has Babylon all over it. And Babylon was mentioned 287 times in your Bible. The only other city that is mentioned more times is Jerusalem. So it becomes a common theme all the way through. 
If you remember the Tower of Babel, that's the story of Babylon. And when you move all the way through Scripture, the identity of Babylon becomes a big question. Now, what's fascinating about this, really in verses 1 to 6, we see the story. Now, what's fascinating is I'm going to show you the judgment of the great harlot So this is speaking of the picture of harlotry as somebody who is willing to be paid for sexual relations. But what's interesting is by the time you get to verse 2, it says, With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so this idea here is this woman riding the beast, this mystery Babylon, is involved in a wholesome, I mean, the kings of the earth, And then all the people have been intoxicated with her fornication. And so what I think is so fascinating, and I love how God works, is how many of you are still doing the Through the Bible reading plan with us at Crossroads? A few of you. I'm proud of you for keeping going. All the ones of you who quit, no judgment. Just start again. Just keep going. But right now, we are studying the book of Ezekiel. And I cannot... I shouldn't be surprised because God is God and God works these ways, but the overlap between what we're studying in Revelation and what we're studying in Ezekiel right now is so powerful because what's going on? I, just this morning, Ezekiel chapters 22 and 23, I read it before I got here, doing my through the Bible reading. It's all about God's judgment on the children of Israel because they're committing spiritual adultery. They're cheating on God by running after the religions of the people around them. And in so many ways, what we're seeing here, this woman who's riding the beast, really what she's doing is she is seducing people to not be faithful to the true and living God and get them kind of off base. To get them to not be faithful in their faith with Jesus, but to get caught up in other things. And let's just be honest, this is happening everywhere. Our culture is actually designed to seduce all of us away from faithfulness to Jesus. I was reading a fascinating article about this, about the role of media. And a commentator said this very profoundly, that the media's job is to make their problem your problem. Think about that for a second. This is what I think the problem is. And now I'm going to take my problem. I'm going to make it your problem. Now, here's the deal. Everybody needs a narrative in which you live your life. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't have a compelling reason to decide what your problems are, the media and the news is happy to give you one. And depending on which media news sources seem to be your preference, that actually points you to the problems that they think are happening and what you should do about it. But my friends, if you are here today and you're a follower of Jesus... You don't need to follow the news because you know the good news. And the good news of Jesus Christ, God tells us what the problem is. And the problem is sin and death. And God's like, your problem is sin and death. And then he says, I have a solution for your sin and death problem. And his name is Jesus, the Savior. And when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus and you let the good news of Jesus Christ be the only thing that defines what the problems are, we realize in Jesus, sin and death have been solved. And then what's the next problem? 
The next problem is that message being embodied in a world. And so then our problem, because of the good news, is God, how do I reflect your light into the world? Not who do I demonize, who am I against, but Lord, what am I for and what matters? And then we move through the world in the spirit of God. And then we see problems and then we say, okay, these are the problems, but Lord, how are you inviting me to join you in being part of the solution? And everything changes. But here's what I want to tell you. The spirit of let's seduce the people of God away from faithfulness to the good news of Jesus is very, very real, isn't it? Our world is fraught with even seemingly biblical concepts that seem to want to pull us away from the core, the heart of Christianity. And in so much, I believe that what is going on today in the people of God in the West, this is not happening in the East, is there is a battle for the soul of Christianity. But I'm here to tell you, it's not a real battle because the soul of Christianity is the finished work of Jesus and the Spirit of God birthing his fruit in our lives. So it's not a real battle. It's a perceived battle. But the key is is what this woman who rides the beast wants to do is he wants us to commit spiritual adultery. That's the goal. Now, someone is bound to say, well, this is why I don't like the Bible. I mean, why is God so concerned with our sex lives? That's a common one I hear all the time. Why does God care what we're doing in our bedroom? And I always have to remind people that, first off, our culture is way more sex-obsessed than the Bible is. Way more sex-obsessed. Like, not even close. But here's what you have to realize. You have to look at God's purpose. The act of a husband and a wife in the covenant of marriage, sexual union is the physical embodiment of a very spiritual concept, that the two shall become one flesh. And so what we do with our bodies matters to God. I always think of the Apostle Paul, he's talking about husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, but he's not. He's talking about husbands and wives, but he's like, no, no, really husbands and wives are a picture of Christ and the church. So what we have to realize is what you do with your bodies, my friends, matters. Because your body was created by God, and God has a purpose in our sexuality. I always say that God isn't interested in homosexuality or heterosexuality. God is interested in holy sexuality. And let's just be honest, there is unholy heterosexuality as much as there's unholy homosexuality. God is interested in holiness, that we carry ourselves to the world under the authority of Jesus. Now, in the same way, because God is interested in our sexuality being holy, it's because God is a holy God. And what God wants us to realize is that what we do with our bodies is actually the fruit of what we believe about God and about ourselves and about the world. And what God wants us to make sure that we understand is that God wants us to move through the world knowing that he is set apart as holy and he invites us to be set apart as holy. And when we're set apart, we see ourselves as not just a body, but so much more than a body. But what we do in our bodies matters. But really the reason it matters to God is because it points to something way bigger. So it'd be really easy to teach about this woman who's riding this beast and be, it's all about sexual immorality. But really the picture here is about spiritual morality. 
We have to ask ourselves, where am I cheating on God with the affections of my heart? That's why all through the Bible, idolatry is a problem, isn't it? That's why in the New Testament, it talks about how the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Because God realizes that in our hearts and in our souls, we can allow our affections to get a little bit sideways. He wants us to be faithful to him. And really what's going on here is this woman, I mean, you look at it, she's making people drunk with the wine of her fornication. All of the rulers of the earth are committing fornication with her. John says, I'm carried away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw this woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, and she's got in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations and the filthiness of her fornication, and her name is written on her forehead. Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots. And this woman is drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw, I marveled with great amazement, it said. This reminds me of Jeremiah 51, verse 7. It says, Babylon was the golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, the nations are deranged. So you go all the way back to the time of Jeremiah. Babylon was used by God, but really, it really seduces the world. So you say to yourself, God, what do we do with this? And I think that what God is going to invite us all to is to say, where do I find myself? What pulls me from Jesus? What seduces me away from Jesus? What causes me to lose my passion for Jesus because I'm giving it to other places? Now, what I love is as we move on from here, what you're going to find is that everything is explained. Everything's explained. Look what it says in verse 7. It says, But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Verse 9, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are seven kings, five have fallen, one is and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he will continue a short time. Today, Pastor Daniel taught about the woman who is riding the beast. You found out who the woman represents, as well as what the dragon portrays. Pastor Daniel talked about how the woman was trying to seduce the people of the world to follow after and worship the beast, who is a servant of Satan. You were encouraged to not just maintain, but to strengthen your faith so that you'll be able to resist the devil's lies. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue his teaching, The Woman Riding the Beast. You'll hear more about what she's trying to do to the world and what's going on in heaven at the same time. It's going to be kind of cool to get a sort of split screen view of the world at this moment in history. You'll learn of the difference in response between the people in heaven and the people on earth. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called A Year of Revelation next time. Until then, may God bless.